What does Christmas mean to us? Sometimes it can be holidays or Christmas lights or, or shopping or food or family. Uh, but I don't know, it could, like a lot of shopping. Honestly, I, I really honestly don't like shopping. I prefer to do online shopping. And that might have been you on Black Friday. You might have been getting all your Christmas shopping on Black Friday and Cyber Monday online or at the shops. But I hope you've got it happening. But, you know, thinking about this made me think about all the Christmases that I have had. I've had many. Look at me. I've had a lot of Christmases, okay? I've had a lot. And I'm just going to go through some of the Christmases that I've had. They've been good and they've been not so good. It's a little bit of a roller coaster ride because just like life, in the season, we have ups and we have downs. Okay, I'm gonna start. When I was a kid, uh, I'm, I'm from New Zealand. I was brought up in New Zealand. We used to go to my grandparents' place. We'd go there and all my uncles and aunties and all my cousins would be there and they're real cousins, not cousin bros, but my real first cousins my real first cousins, they would be there and we would get together, we'd have fun, we'd have a lot of food happening, we'd play cards, I'm like a really good cheat in cards. Like, so, and I love that, I learned how to do that from my family, learned how to cheat in cards, all those sorts of things. It was great, it was a great fun and there was so much joy. I loved those Christmas times, I remember them. And then, when uh, my grandfather passed away, it changed. Christmas was different. The very first one without him. You know, it was still cousins and my grandmother, but it was different. You might be here today, and sometimes Christmas can bring up memories of, of loved ones that have passed on, and it changes. It can bring that. So the very first one was a little bit, not sad, but, you know, it was different. It was different. It was definitely different. And then I moved to Sydney, Australia. Yeah, to live with my dad. My father lived in Sydney already. I, I'd visited him once and I thought, ooh, I like it, I like it. I like that weather in Sydney, no rain and no cold and it's nice. So uh, my family actually live in Sydney now. I've got sisters and little nephews, nieces, all live in Sydney. A lot of families. So we would meet there in Sydney. All my sisters and our families would meet together. And my dad, like he's like a hangi chef. You know what a hangi is? A hangi, yeah. Who's tried a hangi before? Many people, oh good. Well, it's like food and there's heaps of meat. I mean, that's very important in a hangi. A lot of meat and then you've got potatoes and pumpkin and it's actually cooked under the ground. And then it comes out and everyone just eats themselves stupid and then they uh, go, and, go and sleep and watch the kids play. And, and, and that's, that's great. And, and then, you know, my own kids, I remember having Christmases with them and it would be so much fun. There's nothing better, is there, than kids and them opening their presents? It's just so good. It's just like warms your heart. Right now, you're thinking about those times of gift giving and gift opening. It's like, woo, it's happening, it's happening. Oh, and then, you know, that's with my own kids. And uh, a few years after having my own kids, I separated from their dad. So we're back to a not so good Christmas. What that meant to me was now I only had my kids every second Christmas. Oh, that's rough, believe me. The very first one that I had uh, with my, without my kids, or even now I'm feeling it, I, it, it was just, oh, I, I had like, it was, it was almost physically painful 
my heart was just aching for them. No longer watching the little kids opening their presents. It was just, it was a, a time of heartache. It was painful. And I, you know what? I just, I felt lonely, even though I had other people around me. But there was just an emptiness. I just felt empty and lonely. So there have been times over Christmas where my Christmas season has been like, woo, joyful and not so joyful. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've had times as well where you've had to uh, go without family or, or different times where it's not been fantastic. I mean, what does Christmas really mean to you? And it could be getting together with your family. But, you know, one thing, I mean, I love my family, but when you get together, uh, in reality, it's kind of chaos because, let's face it, our family, they know how to press our buttons, right? Yes, they do. Beep, 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 beep. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, anyway, because we've got a shared history and not all of it is great. And you're in this confined space, but anyway... We'll move on from the family. (laughs) But we're going to look today at the first Christmas, the very first Christmas. The theme of this is good news. It's about the good news. So I'm going to tell you a little story. Like in the hills of Bethlehem, over 2,000 years ago, shepherds, they were looking after their sheep at night. And it was just a normal routine thing. They're like, hey, bro, you know, how's your sheep going? Oh, yeah, no, my sheep's going good. Like, yeah. Oh, look at your sheep. Oh, there's your... Yeah, it was just a normal routine night with shepherds looking after their sheep. And then something extraordinary happened. So we're going to look at some verses in the Bible. In Luke 2, 8 to 12, it says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly... Suddenly, this is suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them. It could have been one of those angels that were here earlier, but anyway. The angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The angel said, I bring you good news that will bring you great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. The angel said, I bring you good news that you will have great joy for all people. So think of some times when you've received a message that's brought just unexpected joy. It could have been an announcement. It could have been you found out that you were having a child. It's like, whoa! Or you could have had a child. It's like, whoa! Well, that's the mum doing that. Anyway, but, 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 but it's unexpected joy can happen. Like, think of those times. Or it could have been that you, you got your dream job. And it was just unexpected joy came. There's different times. Or you might have been got engaged, and it's like, whoa, I've dreamt of this. Unexpected joy. Or you might have you know, got your university results or your school results, and you're like, whoa, I didn't expect to pass, but look at me, I'm happening. Yeah, unexpected joy. So that's what happened in this time. Like, it was a message. This message, though, you know, unexpected joy and those sorts of 
times, they can change the course of your life. But this message, the good news message, it changed the course of life, not just for the shepherds who saw it, but for all people. So you might be thinking, you know, something that happened 2,000 years ago, you know, how can that be good news for me right now? How can that be good news? You know, does it doesn't have any relevance at all to right now in 2023, going into 2024. What's the relevance? You might be thinking, you know, like life is, it can be like complicated. Life can be messy. Life can be difficult. You might have a difficult job or you might have a difficult uh, workmate or you might have a difficult boss or you might be the difficult boss. Just saying, you might be. But you might have overspent already for Christmas. You've already overspent and you know that you're gonna be spending the next first quarter of 2024 making up for it. I don't know, it's messy. Relationships can be messy. You know, even you might be thinking like, what's my value? What's my purpose? What's my identity? Is, it, is my identity made up of what my friends and family uh, think of me? Is, is that what it is? Can I be truly loved for who I am? See, it might not be a perfect Christmas for you right now, but I need to tell you, the very first Christmas, it was not perfect either. It might have been miraculous, but it was messy. I'm going to show you a picture of a nativity scene here. Oh, look at that. Isn't that good? All these holy, shining people. You see this and you think, oh, they're so holy. Oh, they're so shiny. Oh, they've got it all happening. Well, uh, no, they don't. It was messy. I'm going to start with Mary. I mean, Mary was a young virgin, teenager, and now she's pregnant. In those days, unmarried. She goes to her parents, mum. Dad, I've got some good news. I'm pregnant. Can you imagine in that culture at that time, seriously, that would have been, what? And then, then she goes, like, because she was actually uh, engaged to Joseph. And then, you know, she says, oh, Mum, Dad, I'm pregnant. And then she goes, oh, no, nah, it's not Joseph's. Oh, it gets worse. They, they're thinking, oh, what is going on? You know, but then she goes, Oh, but it's all good. It's all good. Uh, it's all part of God's plan to save the world. Oh, can you... That would have been a difficult conversation. That's messy. Miraculous, but messy. It's messy. Because everyone would have had an opinion about her being pregnant. Everyone. Her parents, her family, her community. She would have been looked upon and shunned. I mean, that, it's unheard of. Back in the day, in Jesus' time... Holy moly, it would not have been a very good thing happening. Then we look at Joseph. Joseph was her fiance. They were betrothed. Not like an engagement these days. I mean, they are pretty much married, except for having sex. That's all. They are bound together already. Joseph, and then she, she says, oh, yeah, Joe, uh, I'm pregnant. And he knows already it's not his, all right? He already knows. It's not his baby. And originally, in the story, in the Bible, in the, like, he was thinking, how can he quietly end this engagement so that he doesn't, like, hurt her? He doesn't want to hurt her, but there's no way he wants to marry this girl who's now pregnant with somebody else's child. 
But what happens, like God sends an angel. An angel appears to Joseph in a dream. And he explains Mary's pregnancy to him is through the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to the Son of God. The angel reassures Joseph, like, uh, you know, and instructs him. He tells Joseph, no, I want you to take Mary as your wife, and I want you to name the child Jesus, because he is going to save people from their sins. Jesus means the Lord saves. So Joseph knew the name of Jesus before he was even born, and that he was going to save. Now, Jesus, now if we look at Jesus, like Jesus, the savior of the world, he's born in a stable, in a manger. Like a manger is like a trough, like an animal trough. They didn't have a crib. I mean, it's one, one of those songs, no crib for a bed, you know? Yeah, anyway, he's got a manger, and that's where he is. Jesus is in the, you know, it looks pretty in the picture, doesn't it? Lovely, but it's a mess. And it smelt disgusting, I bet. I'm really not good on smells. Oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. I smelt the smell the other day, and I was like... <coughs> anyway, I, I, so I... Like, if I was baby Jesus, I'd have been... <coughs> anyway, no, no, no. But baby Jesus, like, he's the saviour of the world. He wouldn't have done that. But, but what I mean is, we expect a king, the saviour, to be born in some mansion, to have all the gears, you know, to have all the little tech gears around, all that. No. He was born in the lowest place, in a stable where it was messy. And then we've got the shepherds. I mean, back to the shepherds. These guys are the ones that the angels came to, the shepherds that were out with their sheep. Shepherds in those days, they were considered the low, lowest of the low. They were looked down on. They were outcasts. They were outsiders. Yet God sends the angels to them. He sends the angels to them to announce the birth of a saviour. Miraculous, but messy. Why do we even need a saviour anyway? I remember thinking that, because I haven't always followed God myself. I haven't, uh, not until I was in my 30s did I give my heart to Jesus. Before that, I was like, thought I was having a, woo, good time. But you've heard part of my Christmases, so you know I wasn't. But anyway, why do we need a saviour? Well, we have... We've said, I don't, I don't know about you, but I've said things uh, and done things that aren't good, that have hurt people, that have really hurt people. You know, I mean, if you think about it, if we put your life on the screen, on the projector right now, I'm going to send it up to Victor up there, your life, and you look at your life, uh, I'm sure there's not everything that you've done or said or thought has been great. I know, I mean, I don't even want to watch my video. I couldn't. I just couldn't look at it. I'd just be too ashamed of what I've done in my life. I just couldn't do it. But, you know, I don't need convincing uh, that I've done and said and thought things that I shouldn't have. And I'm sure you're thinking right now, like, yep, uh, you know, and, and really, that's what sin is. Sin is every time we do things our way instead of God's way. Sin disconnects us from a relationship with God. It's like if you, you know, I'm, I've got an accounting background, so uh, 
like, like you've got an overdraft in the bank account. So everyone knows like that you owe money, it's overdraft. But the only one that can help someone is someone who's in credit. But the only person who's in credit in this situation is Jesus. He's the only one who can pay your debt. He paid your debt when he went to the cross. See, our greatest need was for forgiveness. And that's why God sent us a savior, his one and only son. I don't know, you know, I, you think about this, a father and son. I was gonna say, you know, an Irishman in New Zealand, or no, we're not gonna talk. No, I'll leave, that, leave those jokes, not for now. But anyway, a father and a son. They walk into Myers and they see the sign and the sign says, do not touch. All breakages will be paid for. Ooh, so the father and son, they're in there and the father sees the sign. The kid probably can just read at this time. He sees the sign, but they still go in. And there's all these little glass animals. There's like a little glass giraffe and a little glass uh, rhinoceros. I don't know if there are, but I've I, I just seen these little glass rhinoceros. And then there's this little glass elephant. And this little glass elephant, the little kid goes up and he just can't help it. He just wants to see if the trunk works. And he picks it up and then he drops it. Oh! And straight away, the shop attendant comes running over to the father and the son and he says, hey, you've got to pay for that now. The father says, Nah, I'm not paying for it. I didn't do it. The kid can't pay. The kid can't pay. The father has to pay. And this is the picture of Jesus. You can't pay, but your father in heaven has paid the price for your sin, for everything that you've already done, everything that you've already thought, everything that's not of him. He has paid the price. That's the good news. You know, if, you, if you've got a pr plumbing problem, you get a plumber. If you've got a car problem, you get a good mechanic. Uh, if you have electrical problems, you get someone who's qualified electrician. I mean, we've had some dodgy things happening with electricity, but anyway, that's what you do. But if you've got a sin problem, you need a saviour. You need a saviour. And guess what? That's what God sent us. He sent Jesus. The good news is that there's a heavenly father that sent his one and only son to die on a cross for our sins so that we could have a relationship with him. So let's go back to the shepherds. Uh, you know, they started that night thinking that it would be like any other night in their life. They encountered Jesus and they come away overflowing with joy and what they'd seen and heard. I mean, I know a bit about shepherds. You heard, I'm from New Zealand. So we've got a lot of sheep in New Zealand. You've got a lot of sheep here too, but we're renowned for sheep in New Zealand. Don't look up the sheep jokes, please. I don't want to hear any of them today. That's nasty. Anyway, I, I used to watch this show when I was a kid. It was called Country Calendar. I don't know if you had it over here. It could have been. But, but anyway, I, I remember it was like all the sheep and, and then they'd have these little dogs and the... the, the um, well, the shepherds, like in their cool clothes, they would like whistle to their dogs, you know. <laughs> oh boy, I'm a great whistler. Uh, hey, how about this whistle? <laughs> Who, what, what's that whistle? 
Do you know there's a show? Skippy! Skippy, the bush kangaroo. Anyway, back to the shepherds. Right, so, so you know, I, 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 those shepherds, what I loved about it was watching them round the sheep up. They would, they'd, they'd whistle, they'd send it up. It was just brilliant. But Jesus, he tells a story about a shepherd who had 100 sheep. And when one of the sheep goes missing, the shepherd, he leaves the 99 that are there because they're okay. They're all hanging out together. They're fine. So he leaves the 99 to find the one that was lost, to find that. He tirelessly searches everywhere. He looks everywhere and then he finds it. He finds it. And when he finds that sheep, he's like, woohoohoo, yeah. I'm rejoicing, I'm having a party. He gets the friends over, he has a party. But that's God's relentless love and care for every individual. That's about the value that God places on every person, on you, every person. Not the person next to you, not the person behind you. Every person. He cares about you. And he's willing to seek you at any time. And he rejoices when you come back and have a relationship with him. I remember, uh, you know, my son, my youngest son would have been two and a half, so my oldest would have been four at the time. They're 18 months apart. And we were at Carindale Shopping Centre. It's in Brisbane, and it was busy. There was people everywhere, bags, packets, little bikes, no, all sorts of things. People are carrying stuff around everywhere. So I've got my sons, I've got, I've got bags on my shoulders, on my hands, and I'm, try, and I'm holding their hands, sort of. I'm sort of holding their hands. Anyway, I think, oh, there's something down on the, that, the lower floor, so I'm like gonna head down. I'm heading down to that floor. Like, so we get on, I adjust the bags, I get on the escalator, and I start going down. And then I look down and I realize my youngest son is missing. Uh, did I think, oh, well, I've got another one. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> no, of course I didn't think that. I start going, oh, my gosh, where is he? I'm freaking out. He's just a kid. I mean, he's two and a half. I'm, and I'm trying to look, and there's people already behind me on the escalator. So I'm turning around, and I turn around all these bags and, like, knocking people over. But, but I'm, I've got my other son's hand now. I'm like... Well, and I'm calling out to him. I'm calling, I'm calling and I'm listening. I'm calling his name and I'm listening just to, in case he hears. I'm calling him. I'm calling, like, where are you? I'm calling out his name. And I start getting frantic. I start running up the escalator that's going down. And I am like, get out of the way, people. Like, I, I, like really, I am, I don't care. I'm gonna find my son. I am frantic, I am going. And then this goes on for nearly 10 minutes. I am a mess. I am grabbing people. Have you seen my son? I'm, I'm explaining what he had on. Have you seen my son? Have you seen my son? Have you seen? And then I hear over the speaker, uh, we're just looking for the parents of the little boy <laughs> who's got, you know, the red and white striped T-shirt. And straight away, it was like, oh, my gosh, they, they found him. I go running down. I want to kill him and hug him all at the same time. You know it. You know it. I'm, but all I could do, I'm, I'm still a blubbering mess, and he's crying, and I just grab it, and I just hug him. It's just like the greatest rejoice of all. How much more does God look for you? 
call out your name, want to have a relationship with you, wants to know you. And He does know you. He knows your every uh, success. He knows your every failure. He knows your, your every hope. He knows your every fear. He knows you and He loves you. And right now, I want to give you an opportunity here in this room and online to invite a Jesus into your heart that loves you, that cares about you, that thinks about you, that's always wanted to have a relationship with you. Very soon, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and I'm going to, uh, just from your seat, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand to respond, to invite Jesus into your heart. And you just do that from your seat, and then I'm going to lead us all in a prayer, inviting Jesus into our heart and asking him to forgive us of his sins and just surrendering our life to him. So if I could just ask you to close your eyes. You might be here today, and you've never had a relationship with God. You might have been like me. I believed about God, but never had a relationship with him. But God loves you very soon. I just see him tugging on your heart right now. Very soon, I'm, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand to respond to a relationship with him. Or, you, you know, the second type of person I'm speaking to is you might have at one time followed God. You might have been at youth group. You might have been, you know, one of those kids that lied under the seats at church with your parents. You might have come along but walked away for could have been any reason. Maybe you just didn't connect at the time. Maybe it was the busyness of life. But today you know you want to reconnect to him. Or the third type of person I'm speaking to, you might be here today and you might believe about God, but you are not certain that you are going to heaven. And the assurance of going to heaven only comes through inviting Jesus into your heart, asking him to forgive you and surrendering to him. So while your eyes are closed, if you're here today and you've either never had a relationship with God, but today you know you want one, or you want to reconnect to God, or you want to be certain that you're going to heaven, right now, I just want you to raise your hand up high so I can see it, and then we're going to say a prayer together from your seats. Just raise your hand up high, be bold, so I can see your hand. And we're going to pray a prayer. Who is there today that wants to know a God that loves you? When the Spirit comes into your spirit, He brings it to life. And He walks alongside you, guides you, starts to take burdens off you. I can feel hearts beating quickly. If that's you today, who wants to have a relationship with God? Just raise your hand now so I can see it. Thank you, I see your hand out down the back. Who else is there today? I know there's more people here today. He loves you. He's calling out your name. Just like with Beck, when he comes into your heart, he changes you from the inside out. Not just you, your children, your future generations. Who else is there today? that wants to invite Jesus into your heart. Thank you, I see your hand down the back. Is there someone else here today that wants to join these people? Thank you, I see your hand down the back. Who else is there today? 
Even online, you can actually send in a message on info at lc3.com. He wants to know you. You know, I had to say, I was an a angry little control freak when I first came to Christ. <laughs> but the day I met him, it, he cracked my heart open. There was a peace on the inside of me. I'd put up all the, these walls. I feel to say that because I feel that there's been walls in your heart, either from being in church before and being hurt or just by being hurt. That's why I was angry and controlling. I felt rejected. I felt hurt. Is there anyone else here today that wants to invite Jesus into their heart? Just raise your hand boldly. He loves you. He's for you. Okay, we're going to say a prayer together, inviting Jesus into our heart. So if I, I'll say the prayer, and everyone's going to say the prayer with me, after me. Okay? Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I invite you into my heart. Thank you that you love me, that you died on a cross for me and my sin. I'm turning to you to follow you. I renounce the devil and all his ways. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Show me how to live. I thank you that today I am forgiven. I'm set free and I'm going to heaven. In Jesus' name. Let me just pray for those that raise their hands. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you've seen those hands. I thank you, Lord, that right now you're pouring your love into their hearts by your Spirit. That your love will overwhelm them. That you continue to lead and guide them. I thank you, Father, for the life that they're going to step into. And Lord, I pray that people, good people, will gather around them and help them in their journey with you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Come on, give it up for them. That's awesome. Such great news. I'm going to hand it over to David.